Previously on Quantum Kickflip. The woman picks up the tablet and navigates it deftly. She hands it back, revealing a video of a red robot strutting down a runway. You can see why I wanted to bring this to your attention. Does he... remember? Whatever's going on between all of us, we need to set it aside until we figure it out what this is all about. Hey, uh, sorry, just like your accent. Are you part of Shimmer or something? You sound like a real underground type. (laughs) (laughs) What's Shimmer? Thank you for your help. And I go to like release a sticker and it like gives like a little like error sound like Oh, because the stickers cost money. Yes, that's right. As we have established. (laughs) What you and Maybelline have discovered are six Nega Friction coils. Ooh. You don't remember him, but you have absolutely done this before. Do you recognize who I am? Well, I must, certainly must say I've seen Trev four units before. Ah, yes, that must be it. You are free falling towards the thin zone, and it is at this moment that I want all of you to roll for disaster. Welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena. I am your host and your Slugmaster. And with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world. And they're going to introduce themselves to you now. Last episode, we talked about a time that you were somewhere that maybe you don't go often and you discovered something new. I want to explore the other side of that. And I want you to tell me about a time that you as the player got really, really lost and what happened. Hi, my name is Glenna. I play Brinley Zerk. She is the Guts playbook. She uses the gravity blaster in the form of a gauntlet. And I once was hiking with my then-time boyfriend on uh, Nochnere in Ireland, which is a mountain that is supposed to have the Cairn of Queen Maeve in it, which is cool. She's a warrior queen from legend, and that's awesome. Yeah, she is. And we were on the top of this mountain for so long, <laughs> like trying to find our way down. And you were like, well, you go down. It's up or down. But there were paths and there were moors and we got our feet wet. And uh, eventually we had to call our hostel owner to be like, please come pick us up. (laughs) And he did, which was very nice of him. Hi, my name is Robin. I play Maybelline Zandros, the Grit playbook with the photonic jacket. Uh, And one time I drove across the country, the entire country of Canada, from Vancouver to PEI with my my best pal, Josh. And uh, on our way home, we were leaving Toronto, and it was very early in the morning, and we were all very tired and all very grumpy. I was driving, Josh was mapping, and had just gone with the shortest route, the shortest destination, which apparently, if you're in Toronto, the shortest way to get like back out is to dip down through the States. Uh, and none of us had brought our passports because we weren't going to the States. We were going through Canada. And uh, none of us realized that what was happening was we were being funneled down to the States until we were like a good hour into that journey. Uh, at which point we had to just like turn around and head back. And it was like the quietest, angriest car I've ever ridden in. <laughs> oh, no. Hi, my name's Liam. I play Helix Pinnacle, the smarts playbook with the uh, hard light board. And when I was in my early 20s, 21, in fact, uh, we went to New York City 
the Big Apple, uh, as it's known. <laughs> um, because we were, you know, young 20-somethings, we just, like, we didn't want to do touristy bullshit. We wanted to just go see the city, like, the real city. Uh, and so we were, like, looked at a map, and we're like, oh, let's get off at the, I believe it was the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. It was some botanical garden, and there was a train stop that stopped at a botanical garden, and we're like, great. Everything surrounding the botanical garden uh, was not welcoming to a bunch of fresh-faced, young, white tourist boys carrying Macy's bags. Um, so we we had the intention of going to, like, deliberately get lost, and we got maybe a block before we literally heard some guy be like, look at these motherfuckers. <laughs> and so we quickly got back on our train and went back to the part of Manhattan we knew. My name is David Ray, and I play Trev Four, uh, the Heart Playbook, and I have the Hyper Optic Visor. And uh, the year was 2005, <laughs> and I was with my uh, little group. Uh, we, I did Christian sketch comedy. It was a group that I named Mr. Chapel. As a reference to Mr. Show, but like the Christian version. Anyways, let's not get caught up in that detail. I was in, we were in Minnesota and uh, we didn't have like, you know, the most updated phones, right? Like it was 2005. We had printout uh, from MapQuest. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know if you, and none of us have been in Minneapolis before and we were trying to get to like some sort of theater or whatever. And as we were going, it was like, oh, we're on the freeway and you have to turn off this exit. And uh, I don't know if you know this, if you miss an exit for a freeway, you have now added 40 minutes to your trip, regardless <laughs> of where you're going. There, You can't just turn around in these cities. Uh, so uh, that was a nightmare. And especially because you can't, if you don't have it on your like sheet or whatever, now you're just kind of guessing where to go. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, my name is Michael Vetch, and I'm here playing Walton Wick, the chill playbook with the robot companion. Uh, and uh, I can't distinctly think of times that I was like, I've gotten lost, but this is a time where I probably should have been lost. I was on a school trip to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and on the way there we had a stopover in London. Uh, and as part of this trip, everyone was supposed to go see Billy Elliot, but there were some of us who wanted to go see a production of Les Mis while we were in London, because we were in London. But me and two of my friends, uh, and I was in grade 10 at the time, we needed to go and find our way to this other theater that the rest of the group wasn't going to. So, like, no chaperones were with us. It was just the three of us who have been in London for approximately 12 hours. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, yeah, we'll go meet the other people who are going to the show over at, at the Les Mis Theater, and it'll be great. It'll be fine. So they just let the three of us, with no phones, no form of contact, go and ride the tube to go to this show on our own. <laughs> <laughs> and we got there, and we saw the show, and it was a great time. I don't know how we didn't get lost in the massive city of London, but we didn't. I think you're the, you're the true chill playbook. Things tend to work out. <laughs> <laughs> and as I mentioned, my name is Lena. I am your host. And uh, approximately 10 years ago, I went to Nova Scotia to spend some time with my family. And we went for a walk along the beach. But the tide was coming in. 
And the path we were walking soon became overcome with water, and the path behind us was also cut off by water. And so we left my aunt and my elderly grandmother on high ground, and me and my dad and my brothers and my cousins swam for about an hour. It was at least (laughs) an hour. Just looking for a beach where we could, like, get up on the shore and, like, find someone and be like, hey, we need to go pick up the rest of our family that we left on high ground because we're not making my grandma swim for an hour. (laughs) My dad harassed a stranger and was like, I need your kayak. How was he going to rescue people with a kayak? Who knows? Uh, But the Coast Guard got involved and everyone was saved. And uh, it has turned into a great story that I have now shared with all of you. Speaking of getting lost, uh, question mark, (laughs) Gold Star Disaster has gone on an expedition through the dimension of Vestige. You have encountered maybe more than you bargained for in the uh, uh, signs of life category, but you also scored pretty big in the components category. Uh, And now you are hurtling towards a thin zone that will take you who knows where. And we need to resolve a little thing called a disaster roll. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's play some Slug Blaster. Gold Star Disaster. You have made your way through Vestige. You have battled monsters. You have scored some sweet components. You've learned some interesting truths about the nature of Vestige. And now you are plummeting towards a trench, towards the Thin Zone that will take you back to Operablum. Not the Thin Zone that Kindred programmed into Trev 4, or gave the coordinates to, perhaps I should say. This is one that Trev found on his own. Who knows where it leads? All you know is it leads back into Operablum. And as you are making your way through the Thin Zone, you feel that rush of nothing take you over. Let's roll for disaster. For every empty trouble box, roll a die. Do we have any sixes? Yes. Two sixes. Three sixes. Ooh, Marcus style, you avoid disaster. Whoop whoop. Heck yeah. Do we have any fours or fives? Five. I, I rolled six die and got a five, yes. Alright. So the five of you are plummeting into a trench in the wastelands of Vestige. The wind is whipping around you, not the wind of Vestige, but the wind that is resistance of you free falling into this trench. You hear an intense buzz behind you as the camouflage are soaring up and over the trench, out of sight. You hit the thin zone and you're through. The light is dim. You're still racing forward, but instead of falling, you're rushing forward and you seem to be racing down some kind of hallway. Uh, now, Brinley, Maven, Walt, I'm going to say with your sixes, you're able to adjust and, and realize that you're, you've sort of righted, and so you can bring yourselves to a halt fairly easily. Helix and Trev, with your mixed successes, you're a little bit less lucky. Um, you're thrown off by this sudden shift of gravity, 
and you shoot forward and you crash into the wall at the end of the hallway. I think you're able to like stop yourselves a little bit, at least enough that you're not going to get seriously hurt by crashing into the hallway. But before you can pick yourselves up and before the five of you can reconvene, you're suddenly overwhelmed as you're surrounded by roughly a dozen people and uh, staring down the barrels of some intimidating looking firearms. They are all operablen. You recognize only one of them. And the one that you recognize is the uh, red-haired man that encountered you in the hyperlift on the way to your Vestige run. Oh, hey, it's you, guy who is totally not part of Shimmer, wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) Friendly, you say that and everyone, like a couple extra guys point their guns at you. (laughs) Everyone is covered, but there are a couple other people who are like, hang on. And suddenly you find a couple more barrels pointed directly at you. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. I just calls it like a sees it. (laughs) Yeah, Bryn, I I wasn't convinced earlier when you had this little theory going on, but but after seeing that reaction, I, I think you're on to something. I think they are Shimmer. Hey, Lena. Hey, Robin. Can I do a quick roll? Yeah, you can. I, I want to use my photonic jacket to disguise the uh, Nega Friction coils that I am carrying. Um, I think Maeve still has them, and I would like to roll to see if I can sort of subtly sleight of hand these out of my immediate grip in front of me and into an area of my jacket where maybe the photo bypass is working to disguise them. I love that so much. Please roll. Oh, I have no resources left. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take a dare um, and I will be rolling 2d6 total. We got a six. You got a six. Yeah, you managed to perfectly hide the nega friction coils. Uh... These guys around you are none the wiser. I think as they sort of have you in this position, you realize that they came from these doors that were sort of lining the hallway. And it occurs to you that you're in what seems to be either an apartment building or a hotel. It's kind of hard to tell, but it seems like you're in, you're in the hallway of either an apartment building or a hotel. Um, And through one of these open doors, uh, a man steps out that none of you, the characters, have seen. This man has somewhat faded black hair combed neatly to one side. He's wearing oversized glasses. And you see a little flash as he walks in and you notice he's wearing a gold ring on his middle finger. He looks over to Trev and Helix, somewhat in a heap on the floor, and he looks over to Maeve and Brinley and Walt, and he says, Gold Star Disaster. Nice to finally make your acquaintance. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I'd say likewise, but I, we don't know who the Vux you are, so um, who the Vux are you? My name is Gabor. And I, and my associates here, are part of an organization that I believe you may have heard of, called Shimmer. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) You don't have the accent, though, are you sure? (laughs) What do you mean? 
Uh, uh, just something I've noticed. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, Maeve gives you a- as many fist bumps as, as you can handle. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're, you're part of Shimmer, c- clearly. Uh, is, th- is there any chance we could continue this conversation with fewer firearms pointed and, and, and cocked at in our direction? Well, that depends. Are you going to run? I mean, if anything, we'd probably hoverboard away, but... Considering the aforementioned firearms, I'd say you you got us where you want us. Gabor waves an arm, and uh, the the firearms are lowered. They're not necessarily put away, but uh, the the people in this room kind of stand down, and and he kind of gives a look, and a few of them even like leave. So instead of you know being surrounded by a dozen people, there's like. Maybe four or five people in the room, including Gabor and this mysterious elevator man. <laughs> there. Is that better? Significantly, yes. Uh, what brings you to this hotel? Let's just say we've been expecting you. How'd you know we were going to come out here? We didn't even know we were going to come out here. Have you been spying on us? Or We know about this particular connection between Operablum and Vestige, and after hearing about your exploits there, we were hoping that you would stop by. Well, you got us now. What's what's this all about? It's about the towers and about where you stand with them. We want to help you. Radical! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you don't want to align with any one particular tower, given your backgrounds and and he's kind of been facing Maeve and Bryn and, and Waltz for the most part like his body language is, is fairly open but he's sort of been angled a little bit towards the three of you just because there's more of you there um, but he, he sort of like casts his eyes over everyone and, and he kind of lingers on you for a second Helix. It's in I think everyone's best interests if you continue to represent Operablem as a whole and not just Kindred or Lansden or Webb. I would be inclined to agree, even without your coercion. He makes a face like, yeah, I mean, fair. He's not going to deny that he's coercing you a little bit. <laughs> we can offer you some protection. As a crew of three different warring factions, there can be pressure put on you. Things might get rough. We can help... Ease the pressure, because our interests align so closely. Now, protection's a very interesting word to choose here. <laughs> Would you also be choosing the word racket in association with that? Because Yeah, is this, uh, you say our interests are aligned, but you're offering us protection, I, I have to believe. Much like Helix stops himself from saying who sent them on this mission. We, I have to assume you, you want something from us. You're not just going to protect us just because our goals align. It would be good to know that our goals will continue to align. After this, surely you must be reporting back to, and he looks over to Trev, Kindred Multiversal, about your exploits. <laughs> uh, Trev uh has been, like, still not recovered from the crash at the end. That's why he hasn't really said anything. He is, He is currently, like, Face down into the ground, but because he's got like that, you know, 360 degree vision, uh, he thinks he's standing up 
Uh, even though, like, the <laughs> sensors that say, like, oh, you're standing up uh, is, is not off or whatever. So he tries to, like, uh, walk forward, even though he's still, once again, face down onto the ground. So he's, like, weirdly moving and it's not processing right. And uh, he, he's kind of stuck and he, and he can't quite move. He's. <laughs> Does he clock that Gabor's looking at him now, though? Uh, and, and, like, that's the thing. He's trying to reach out to, like, shake uh, the, the, the Gabor's hand. But, of course, <laughs> what that does is just, like, push into the ground and kind of tips him over onto his side. <laughs> and just says, like, it's a pleasure to meet you. I am Trevor from the Kindred Tower. Uh, uh, Gabor looks over, uh, to Mysterious Elevator Man, whose name has not yet been revealed, but it soon will be, I'm sure, because I'm tired of saying Mysterious Elevator Man. Uh, <laughs> but, and the man steps forward and, uh, helps you to your feet, Trev Four. And as he's helping you to your feet, he says, yeah, we know. We know who you are. Well, while we're making introductions, uh, what, what's, what's your name, Mysterious Elevator Man? My name is Shamb. <laughs> As Sham with a B at the end? Yeah, why does that seem so weird? No, perfectly normal name. I just wanted to, I for a second, I... My name is Sham, his name is Gabor. <laughs> yeah, no, I... These are normal operable names. Your name is weird. Fair. Anyway, Sham helps you up, Trev. <laughs> Thank you very much for your kindness. Here, you deserve this. And once again, he tries to go and puts like a sticker on him, but of course it just like does that error noise. Gank, gank. Ah, uh, yes. Just trust that... I appreciate your help. Oh, he smirks, takes his gun, holds it up so the butt end is facing you, and on the bottom of it is a gold star sticker. What? Oh, very good. You seem to be quite the adept user of this firearm. Uh, and uh, he gives a look to uh, Gabor. He kind of held it up only to you, Trev, for. He looks it almost maybe looked like he was about to, like, smack him with the butt of the pistol. That's kind of what your perspective is. And he uh, holsters his gun and just uh, shoots Gabor a look. Okay, so you want you want us to work together. How are we supposed to broker this deal? Do you have, like, a contract? Or are we just shaking on it? Like, well, I don't know how to handle this sort of conversation tactic where we were greeted with guns in a random hotel. It's a bit of an unconventional tactic, to be sure, but... The five of you strike me as rather unconventional yourselves. And we're not so formal as to require contracts or anything like that. As long as you continue to serve the best interests of all the towers, and not the corporations that run them, but the people of the towers, then you will be upholding your end of the bargain. Of course. That and the Kindred Corporation. Helix is trying to, like, shush you, but you're, like, you're a robot. He can't, like, put his hand over your mouth. Or <laughs> <laughs> Gabor gives you a little side eye, and, and the corner of his mouth curls up just a little bit. Look, we have every intention on remaining a cohesive crew, and as everyday operablins, we are absolutely looking out for the best interests of everyone uh, who inhabits this particular plane of reality, but also we are youthful slug blasters. Our scope of our operations uh, rarely uh, extend beyond cool tricks and rad vibes. Uh, so I, you'll have to forgive me if I ask, uh, if we don't, let's say, continue to 
operate in the direction you're suggesting us what what's at stake what like what if we don't we're going to we're going to and he puts his hands up he's like we're, we're going to <laughs> but like or else what <laughs> i think you underestimate how much influence you really have you've already started to push the towers closer towards cooperation and he looks Maeve directly in the eye. <laughs> Maeve flinches and doesn't meet his gaze. Kindred is trying to get to you early. And yes, you are all youthful slugblasters. Maeve rolls her eyes at Helix for that phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. You couldn't, uh, couldn't have made a sound a little more cool. <laughs> and it's my understanding that a group of youthful slugblasters once took down a tech giant and served as the catalyst for the Ezria Rehabilitation Project. Just imagine what you can do. Yeah, power to the kids. Awesome. And just imagine what could happen if you don't help bring the towers together, if the conflict runs deeper, and if someone might see fit to end the conflict once and for all, and he has not broken eye contact with Maeve. Uh, Maeve started off this run a couple episodes back by trying to gain leverage in a negotiation that she had no right to gain leverage in, so why not bookend it that way? Uh, <laughs> she turns to Gabor, she meets his gaze now and says, Helix already asked what happens if we don't. I'm more curious about the other side of the equation. What's... What's in it for us if we do? <laughs> Wait, Maeve, I don't know how I feel about taking blood money. You want the full support of Shimmer? And he's smiling. Oh no, blood money! Blood <laughs> money! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Helix is also kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what it looks like, at least, before I make up my mind. Maeve, it looks like money with blood on it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a member of the Arborists, are you not? It's what it says on my jacket. What's in it for you there? You don't have enough time for that story. We have access to resources that could prove very beneficial to your crew. Resources that other groups may keep coveted. I like the sound of that. It's odd that I feel more trust for a shadow crime organization than I do for a megacorporation. I don't know. Maybe it's this face. Just something about his face is comforting, you know? <laughs> this sounds like a wonderful opportunity to bring to the Kindred Corporation. Uh, I'll present this to my higher ups and perhaps we can make some sort of deal. Maeve gives Gabor a look like, y you know, you'll have to excuse him. Kind of like he doesn't sure, know what sure. it's, you know, you get it. Yeah. Helix back. That's that's going to be Helix's job. And this is to be like, I'll, I'll wrangle Trev. Will you guys talk us out of this? <laughs> <laughs> Before you bring anything to your higher ups. Trev for. I have something for you. And he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a thumb drive and offers it to you. Uh, Trev for uh, walks up to it, you know, and he's scanning it with his omniscience app picture and all this kind of stuff, uh, checking it over. Uh, does he get any kind of read on it? It's got some files on it. Some of it is software. Some of it is uh, like PDFs, 
um, like a digital manual and stuff. Uh, no viruses, nothing, no like malware of any kind that if you like plug it into your port, you're going to get taken over and be an agent of Shimmer or anything like that. Excellent. <laughs> it just seems to be a thumb drive with information on it. Well, thank you. I will analyze it and take it under consideration. You may want to look it over closely before you follow up with Kindred. We're rising up. Maeve shoots a glance to, to Walt and to Bryn like, are we good to make this deal and get out of here? Bryn just gives double thumbs up with a huge grin like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crime. Crime. I love that Bridley just loves crime canonically. <laughs> <laughs> just unequivocally like, yes. It's coming up more and more, and it's my favorite thing about Brindley. <laughs> How's Walton looking? Yeah, I think when you look back to Walt, uh, like this run's just been like kind of weighing on him as they've got as it continues to go on. He figured once we punch back through that like we'd be home free, and he's he's just like what they're talking about seems to be the way that our at uh, Gold Star disasters lining up anyway, but like. He's, he just wants us to, to be able to walk out of here okay. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of how Helix is feeling. And I think as Maeve looks back to you all, she says to Gabor, um, well, it sounds like everything lines up and we're we're all in agreement. And she gives Walt a, a little wink while she's still looking at him. Uh, a reassuring wink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she approaches uh, Gabor and says, well, if you're... Uh, you said you're not as formal as a as a contract. Um, if it's a if it's a handshake agreement we're looking for, uh, I, I think I'm the best equipped. Wait, Operablin does fist bumps, not handshakes, right? We established that at some point, session zero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. <laughs> if it's a fist bump arrangement that you're looking for, then uh, I'm the best equipped for that. And she holds out four four fists. <laughs> You low-key look like you're going to punch somebody just because that's how Maeve looks a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Gabor offers his fist, and the two of you fist bump, uh, and he says, Excellent. Very happy to hear that. One final matter. I don't like to hold debts over people that they may not know about. So, your debt, well, more specifically... The debt of your friend, Trev Four, may need to be settled up at a later time. Wait, Trev's debt with Kindred? That's the whole reason we went on this run. That's cleared now. That's square. No, 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 no. Not that debt. <laughs> Maeve shoots Trev a look like, how many people are you in debt to? <laughs> <laughs> Did you buy us more outfits that we don't know about? <laughs> Uh, Trev starts going through these various spreadsheets in his uh, hard drive, and he doesn't recall any other ones aside from the one that he's been accruing, and uh, looks over at the team and is like, there perhaps is an error, because I only know of the one debt. <laughs> yes, of course you do. Anything else that you remember, Trev Or is it all just nothing before this morning's shift? And with your intuition, you can tell he's trying to prod to see if you've been getting your memory wipes or not. It is standard procedure that all kindred robots have a memory wipe every day. Absolutely every day. Yep, 
every day. (laughs) (laughs) You're still good at that line. Mm Mm-hmm. Every day. We'll be in touch, I'm sure. Thank you, Gold Star Disaster. Our business is concluded. We'll help you find your way back out. go any further, I want to ask Gold Star Disaster, what ends up happening with Kindred? You are, of course, going to have a follow-up meeting uh, with Gigi, where you are going to, you know, give back the device that was used to take readings, give back the tablet that was used to take notes, and uh, Gigi's gonna basically uh, be very pleased with everything. He's gonna say, well, looks like it was a very successful mission after all. You learned quite a bit. Great job, Gold Star Disaster. Uh, yeah, we, uh, a very fruitful exploration. Um, we, we brought you back this tablet and hands over the tablet and, and your monitoring device, of course. And I have uh, this soil sample as well as some flora Gro- found growing in an underground cave. I am totally covered in slime if you want some of that. <laughs> no, thank you. Fair. <laughs> and Maeve uh, looks back to Gigi and is like, and that's everything. That's all of it. Is it really? Um, and in her mind, she knows, and the rest of Gold Star Disaster knows, uh, that there are six friction coils hidden in, I'd say, underneath a panel inside one of the little uh, garden, empty concrete garden areas of Trinity Municipark. Uh, nice. that, that's yeah. stashed in our in our hideout mm-hmm. there in a place that's hopefully not too easy for someone to stumble across is is a, a power source um, unparalleled by anything we've ever seen in our lives. And I was like, yep, that's it. That's all. Well, that is just excellent. Thank you so much for being so forthright. And Trev4, thank you for the disc of your video footage. We cannot wait to review it later. You're very welcome. Now, as mentioned, your debt to Trev4 is cleared. And you know what? The next three rentals are on us. Anything further, of course, will need to be negotiated further with Kindred Multiversal Megatower. Of course. Excellent. Great job, everyone. And uh, Trev Ford tries to go and tries to once again give his thumb stickers to each person. Bink, bink, bink. But of course, they're not coming out, but he's still attempting on each uh, of the four individuals. (laughs) Ooh, Gigi, while while we got you here, any way we could unlock uh, the star sticker feature again gratis? I mean, it, it is kind of our brand. Have a nice day. And that's your the complication of your mixed success from the start of the run is, yes, your debt is cleared and you have uh, Trev for free for a little while, but you do still have to pay the partial credits for the Gold Star stickers. <laughs> <laughs> Devastating. Devastating. The equivalent of like 25 cents every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really going to rack up. The other complication, of course, is that Gigi will review that footage from Trev4 later. So even though you have hidden the Negafriction coils, she is still going to find out about it. Yeah, I was going to ask Maeve on the way out. Because we're, we're leaving, right? We're, we're Yep. Your business is concluded. You know she's going to review that footage, right? Do you have plans on how you're going to explain your stash of coils? And I'm asking because I'm looking out for you, not because I'm jealous you found six coils to my one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 
before we make any assumptions, we should figure out if Trev gave her everything or whether he edited the footage. And both Maeve and Robin are curious about the answer to that. And I have a feeling it probably depends on what Trev learned from that thumb drive and what he decided to do as in terms of reporting back to Kindred. The, the answer to that question, I think, will come. We may need to look at that a little bit further in the downtime. had set up the progress track of components and vestige. You did not have to complete the progress track, but the more you marked, the more you could get. Of the 10 marks of components, you marked seven. At one point, Helix rolled a complete success, and I gave him a coil. So Dave, pick a component. Coil, lens, disc, or gem? I'll go with a lens, I guess. Glenna. Disc. Robin. A gem, of course, because that's that's what I have been wanting for like two runs now. That is five components. Your remaining two components are a coil and a disc. And uh, y'all can fight over who gets that additional coil and disc. Michael, do you want the disc? I would like a disc. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like the coil, please. Sounds good. So I'm dying to know... Do you have plans for those six nega friction coils? What do you plan to do with those? Oh, uh, hide them? Okay. <laughs> I don't know, like, we can have a discussion as a crew, but Maeve's feeling on this is this is too much power for any one faction to hold. But uh, I'm open to suggestion if anyone has a cool idea for what we could use six nega friction coils for. Just to clarify, are these a distinct entity from th the component known as a coil? Yes, it is. I will say, if you want to use them for yourselves, I will equate one nega friction coil to one mod on your device. Whoa. Holy shit. Oh, okay, so it's a full... Oh, oh, oh. gotcha. Okay. Like I said, these are powerful boys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if we got six of them, that's enough for, for each of us to unlock something and still keep one in, keep one for a rainy day. <laughs> Is that also talking about, like, there's one mod on each of our devices that are like a special one that requires four items as opposed to two for most of the others? I'm going to enter the pocket dimension of immediate regret and say those are nega friction coils, baby. If you want to use them on a four component mod... Go for it. <laughs> wow. Yowza. But also, I'll, I'll, I'll remind you once again uh, that, that Kindred will know that you acquired it. And uh, maybe, maybe watching closely to see how those coils are used. I'm going to say we should not look this gift horse in the mouth and we should use these nega friction coils to unlock a mod apiece. And then we'll still have one to tuck away. Cool. Sure. Yep. Sounds good. Do we all want to list off the many mods we've probably unlocked each? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I can start. So I'm, you're giving Helix one of these nega friction coils? Yeah, we're all we're each taking one. Sick. Uh, then I'm going to use it to, to unlock the Photon Exciter. Uh, roll to damage things as you grind, slide, or ollie over, or just smack with your board. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for my matter photonizer the old-fashioned way, by earning an extra gem. I'm one gem away now. <laughs> there you go. 
uh, I used my gem, speaking of gems, to unlock the ambience panel or ambiance panel, depending on if you're nasty. Uh, freely program <laughs> non-realistic translucent graphics within 10 feet of you or roll to create a more convincing illusion. Preparation and or image data may be required. Uh, and then the next thing on my list was going to be the the really tough one that takes like four components to unlock. But lo and behold, we got some mega friction coils. So I'm also unlocking the concept prism. Mark one turbo, you temporarily split into 3D6 colorful instances of yourself. They are difficult to control, but tend to act like you would and stay nearby. Good God, can you imagine 18 maves? <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> fucked up Reeking just havoc. now. You fucked I up just did. now. I am vibing so hard in this pocket dimension of immediate regret. <laughs> Who's next? Who else wants to throw my hubris in my face? <laughs> Me. I do. Yay! Uh, so with the uh, with the legitimately acquired uh, disc and a lens I had before, I'm going to unlock the agility pin. Roll to manipulate things at a distance with the accuracy and power of two human hands. Ooh. And then, because you gave us this gift, I'm going to use Brinley's friction Coil to unlock the Field Inverter. Roll to temporarily modify the gravity of a room-sized or smaller area you target with your gravity beam. Choose whether the gravity there is increased, decreased, reversed, pointing sideways. Roll each time you want to change it. Wow. <laughs> I'm coming out of this dimension. I'm stoked for all these abilities. <laughs> uh, Walt, what did you get? Uh, I'm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, okay, I'll spend the, 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 uh, dubiously gained friction coil to unlock Neural Network. Uh, your robot now has the intelligence, communication skills, and common sense of a human child, and grows smarter and more independent each day. Uh, Mark 1 Legacy, they grow up so fast. What are you calling the Legacy? Oh, I'm not sure because this one, this is essentially what we've been, we've been equating to uh, the unlocking of of higher surge potential f- uh, for um, Scampikin mm-hmm. to be able to go up to Carcinikin and that sort of thing. So maybe I'll just call it like surge state. Sure. Uh, and then I think I'll also spend a lens and a disc for mobility boosters because I use that one frequently. Excellent. What does mobility boosters do? Uh, Roll to have your robot go really fast. Carry a passenger or two. Ditch the hoverboard and hop on. Love it. And Trev. So Trev 4 is going to take this uh, negative friction uh, coil and uh, is going to adapt it into the kind of his core, his mid, uh, his torso. Because he's always had access to this, but it requires so much energy uh, that he couldn't normally access it. So he's going to like wire it in uh, to uh, access his Kindobi neuroimaging uh, software. Uh, I can uh, roll to see and record a subject's active surface thoughts. It's obvious you're doing it, but adding kick allows you to do it secretly and or zoom into deeper thoughts and memories. Use caution. So this is supposed to be for like the, you know, they can't do this on every Trev 4 unit. Uh, but, you know, because I have the power source, I'm going to access it. Yeah, and it's almost like uh, uh, you've been upgraded to be able to accept this specific neural imaging. Weird thing to put into a Trev 4 unit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does make a lot of sense for uh, like an empathy robot, though. For yeah? an empathy robot, of course. Of course. Uh, I'm going to do some faction shifts uh, based on what happened in this run. I am going to give you a plus one with Shimmer. 
Yay. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm going to put you, I'm going to give you a plus two with Shimmer because you were at a negative one for some reason. Uh, and I want to put you at a plus one. Uh, they're now friendly. And I am going to give a minus. Mm, I want you to be at a plus one with Kindred as well. So that's going to be a minus three. Cool. Ooh. From the plus four, putting you also at uh, strictly friendly, no longer ride or die, more just agreeable and encouraging. They must know something. They must have seen something that uh, puts them at uh, in a more unfavorable position with Gold Star Disaster. Too bad. And with that, let's move into some downtime. In the Nexo chat, we sort of debrief after this this last uh, mission. Everyone, thank you for for meeting here. Uh, I think we're all a little high strung. That was a very intense way to end our last run. Uh, but one thing has been made clear to me, and I, I believe it's likely clear to all of you. But we are, for better or for worse, all in this together. Um, between the uh, Dibo Dash. Kindred paying attention to us, Shimmer paying attention to us. Uh, we are a crew now. We are a unit, whether we like it or not. And we need to stick together or we're not going to get through whatever these powers that be have in store for us. So in the spirit of that, I would like to apologize to Brindley, to anyone else. I am sorry. Not only do I want us to be a, a great slug blasting crew, but... Even if I didn't, our hand is forced. We need to be a crew that has each other's backs, or we are going to get crushed by warring corporate mega towers, underground crime syndicates, and whatever else the multiverse can throw at us. I think as you're saying this, Maeve is glancing over towards Trev, not in a like, you know, threatening, you better be in on this way, but in, in kind of a remorseful like... She's had a lot to think about on this run, watching Trev and how he's kind of supported the crew throughout. And she she's starting to feel she's starting to learn and feel badly about how she reacted last run. Um, she takes a step forward, puts a hand out in the center of the group. I, we're digital avatars, but but still um, the gesture is there. She puts her hand in the center and says, all in. Yeah, I appreciate your words, Helix. Thank you. All in. I'm all in. Helix puts his hand in. <laughs> Scamp and I are in too. Uh, Trev four uh, approaches once again. I need to remind you <laughs> that Trev four <laughs> does look like Don Knotts yes, with a thank fl you. flower pr flower print Extremely shirt. Extremely important. <laughs> with the, like the bell bottom, uh, you know, pants and everything. It's all I can think about. <laughs> Well, I'm in it too! And he puts his hand in. <laughs> I must apologize. I didn't mean for us to wind up in the middle of... Uh, 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 right in the hands of Shimmer. I I should have maybe uh, gone with the way that uh, Kindred gave to us, but I didn't mean to. Hey, you, you did what we asked, Trev, and we appreciate it. And if Maeve's hand is at the bottom of the stack and then everyone else's hands are stacked on top... Uh, another bronze hand comes down to complete the top of the stack from the same arm. <laughs> yes. 
I know we're all hands in, but I did want to check in with Walt. I, I realize slug blasting is not your hobby of choice. And now the fact that we are doing it in defiance of the status quo, uh, I guess I just want to check in. Are, are you sure, pal? <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's been an interesting couple of runs here, but you guys on Gold Star Disaster here, it, you've really come to mean a lot to me. And I, th- I think we can do some some pretty amazing things together. Excellent. Then break. Five's company! And then... <laughs> <laughs> and we one by one log off the call, leaving the room, which initially was an empty gray void, but now has that, that Gold Star Disaster logo up on one wall. Can we say it also has, like, on another wall, a big, like, fancy kindred banner that they like they sent us a like you know like a, a wallpaper um one wall is <laughs> entirely like chat asset <laughs> yeah like yeah. a bunch of fancy like kindred logos and stuff and then the opposing wall has like blink and you'll miss it a tiny little graffitied shimmer logo in one corner <laughs> oh very good I love this and with that the all about me fracture is cleared yay Let's move into some crew style. Is there anything you want to plug that into? Do you want to open portal zones, roll an opportunity, advance your fame track, anything jumping out at you? Oh, actually, before you do, I'm going to check off, uh, under up-and-comers, I'm checking off protective fans, loyal clapback artists and lookouts, re-roll challenges. Ooh. Oh, yeah, protection. That makes sense. Hmm. So you already got that for free. A gift from me to you. (laughs) No strings attached to that gift, I'm sure. None whatsoever. This is all about unconditional gifts. (laughs) Don't look them in the mouth. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anything you want to spend that style on right now? Sticker spot is fun because stickers kind of are, we got this whole gold star disaster thing. Mm-hmm. So sticker, I feel like we need to do sticker spotted just based on what we've established <laughs> narratively. <laughs> I'm I'm down for that. Gets us a legacy, a crew legacy. Sure. Is there a spot for crew legacy? I think that might be a legacy for each of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, for real? Shit. Mm. Well, hell yeah. What do y'all want to call this legacy? Gold star? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Works for me. Does that leave us with one more crew style? It does. Could would I be able to use that and one of my own to try and open up another portal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so, Michael, what uh, portal would you like to unlock? Yeah, I think I want to try and open something f- between Prismatia and the Waking Pits. Uh, Prismatia being A, Waking Pits being B. <laughs> Two threes. <laughs> one way to A. So from the Waking Pits to Prismatia, but it's. Ooh, uh, I got a one and a two, and I, I like the sound of two, a faction secret. All right, so you have a portal from the Waking Pits to Prismadia that is a faction secret. Uh, no portal to the Waking Pits just yet. Trev 4, after the adventure with the crew and he's parted ways with Walt. Walt uh, continues up on the elevator uh, and Trev 4 gets off 
His workshop is not that far away, and he kind of just goes off to the side. He, he wants to make sure that he's reading this information before going back to the workshop. He pops open the port on his chest, he uh, plugs in that thumb drive, and he wants to analyze it. Now he can kind of uh, focus on it and uh, apply more of his uh, processing power towards it. It's kind of out in the open, sort of, but it's, uh, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of people out and about. Yeah, because you would probably be on floor 221, which is the floor of the bot shop, and, and we've established that, you know, floors lower than 25 are not the most occupied, typically. It's a little bit more sparse, and people tend to stick to little pockets. Um, not quite as bustling as, you know, floors two, five, and up. What you find in this thumb drive appears to be almost like factory software and information for the Trev model. And I don't think it's it's limited to model numbers. I think it, it just generally lists Trev. And you open it up, and you see the, the Trev telemetric, da-da-da-da. Um, and as you're looking through, what you're seeing is not aligning with the prime directives that you have. You see yourself as an empathy robot. Your purpose is to understand kindred employees and help them so that they might be more productive. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, that was the, as he perceives what an empathy valet is supposed to be, is that he is there to um, attend to issues that an employee might have. But what you're reading reads a lot more like not addressing the concerns of employees, but placating those concerns. And you realize that there is there are some directives in there that you maybe weren't consciously aware of, but you realize were there all along, such as in the event of unionization attempts or uprising, any means necessary uh, is granted to quell the uprising up to and including taser bolts, for example. And you're reading further and further into this, and, and one of the points uh, says that Trev units are equipped with intuition and communication skills and empathy skills because that's the best way to relate to the worker and to placate the worker and to keep the worker in their place. And all of this is feeling so wrong that you go back up to the headline that you skimmed uh, that has the uh, Trev model, and it does not, in fact, say telemetric, robotic, empathy, valet... It says, telemetric response to employee violations. Shit. <laughs> Trev 4 uh, kind of has this, like, uh, thing where he's, like, scanning it, scanning it. It doesn't, like, line up scanning. And, and then he starts logging into, like, subconscious routines. And, uh, you know, he's trying to, like, review some of the files that he's pulled up. And, uh, you know, he's been keeping there's all these files on all of his uh, friends and various people he's interacted with and uh, he's pulling it and he sees like on these files different things that like 
would be flagged as uh, employee violations or, uh, you know, these people uh, might be suppressive voices to Kindred and stuff like that. And just like his logs of all of these things that just naturally came up in his subroutine that he was not conscious of. And he realizes he's been unwittingly logging all of these uh, things that might show that these other people may not be good employees. And Trev for um, he's scanning it, scanning it, and, and he's uh, violating what he thinks his prime directive is. And, and he actually, like, he kind of blue screens. Like, he just freezes. <laughs> <laughs> and just fully, like, can't move. Like, he can't move, he can't think. He just stops fully. And, uh, and he kind of shuts down and like it forces a, a, a reboot and he shuts down for a little while. All right. Tell me about this beat. Uh, that was Identity Crisis. Uh, that's, you know, spend three trouble. You don't know who you are anymore and it's messing with your head. Plus one doom. I have an idea for doom. I'm going to call it a uh, bad robot. <laughs> <laughs> Star listeners, it's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster, wanting to thank you so, so much for listening to this conclusion of the Vestige Run. I have a very exciting announcement. This Friday, April 7th, we are hosting a live Q&A. That's right, I will be there along with Robin, the GM for Season 1, and we're going to be taking your questions about how we prep for our games of Slug Blaster. What do we need to make sure is there? What goes into a typical run? All that fantastic stuff. So it will be this Friday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time on our YouTube channel at Quantum Kickflip. Please check it out. We would absolutely love to see you there. Uh, you can also follow us at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So please do follow us for new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also support us by subscribing to Quantum Kickflip on Patreon. We have recently updated our tier system. For just $2 a month, you get early access to all new episodes. And for $5 a month, you get early access plus exclusive bi-weekly bonus content. And I want to talk to you today about some of the bonus content that you can access with your pledge. The bonus content I want to talk about today is Scene Thieves. We recorded a two-part campaign in which Michael, Robin, and myself played Scene Thieves and improvised a story of a theater troupe doubling as a heist crew. We set it at Drow's research facility in Null, and the troupe told a thrilling story about love, honor, and vampires in the waking pits all while embarking on a daring heist to steal portaling technology from the depths of Drow Labs. She goes to make her way into the house, um, but she hears uh, uh, that iconic laugh from the end of Act 1, and she knows exactly what that means. Uh, And so she sneaks into... Uh, Can we we get a little flavor of that one again? Can we get a little... little, little, Uh, Someone else has to do it. I'm playing the lead, so someone else has to do the laugh. (laughs) (laughs) One of you. Ha 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 ha! There it is, exactly the same as it was the first time. Uh, and she goes, oh, Bruce Feratu. 
because apparently they know who that is. It's not been established what his relationship is to the rest of the characters. We don't know who he is or what he wants or how they know him, um, but she knows him instantly. <laughs> to listen to Scene Thieves and so much more, please subscribe to us at patreon.com slash quantum kickflip. I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can check them out at amaas.ca. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the beginning of a brand new run on Wednesday, April 19th. All right, let's get you back to the action. So we're going to uh, the Zerk residence where Brinley lives with her dads and her little sister. And she is uh, in a good mood. They just got involved with a a pretty cool syndicate in her mind. And uh, she, on her way back from Trinity Municipal Park, she took a swing through Kindred to one of the Null bookstores. And just like very casually grabbed some um, some Sweet Valley High. <laughs> <laughs> She's back into her apartment. Uh, the apartment is very like minimalist. Uh, there are plants everywhere, as we've established. The plants in Lansden are sad, uh, but yes. they are <laughs> everywhere. Um, there's there's a bunch out by like a grow light. Um, and the walls are all white and there's like hexagons on the wall to be shelves so it looks like little uh, honeycomb mm. and there's like little statues or little artisanal stuff yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's very chic in here and uh, Bryn comes in and sees her little sister Daphne at the kitchen table um, Liam what is Daphne doing? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Davni is is uh, maybe reading reading a different book that you had got her in the past. Uh, Davni, of course, her little sister. Um, how old did you say she was again? I believe uh, twelve. Yeah, so she's she's reading a reading a book. Uh, she's she's fairly short for a twelve year old. Um, a little on the chubby side, but in in a very cute way. Big like rosy high cheekbones. Think like Honey Boo Boo in the best way possible. <laughs> Uh, like a positive honey boo boo, <laughs> um, and yeah, she's 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 uh, reading reading a book. Uh, and Bryn comes up to her and uh, immediately puts her in a headlock and gives her a noogie and is like, "I got something for you, Squirt." Oh, hi, Brent. Hi, Brinley. Hi. Oh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brinley, Brinley, you're home really late T- today. At at my re- in my reading triangle, we we learned all about. Uh, the tra- the traditional dances of the ancient Lansden people. Uh, do you want to see, do you want to see my traditional dance? Yeah, I do want to see your traditional dance, please. Uh, and so yeah, she's got face paint on, and it's it's sort of traditional Lansden uh, face painting would have been used by ancient operablums. Um, and uh, whatever you're thinking uh, for a a you know Earth our reality uh, parallel. Uh, scrap it because it looks like rave makeup, uh, and the dance she does is osten- ostensibly the Macarena. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's got all the energy of of pick your ancient people's uh, earthen dancing. 
Um, <laughs> but it's just like this. You you put the one hand in, and then you flip them over, and they do. Wait, no, or is it is it hips and then the arms? Or anyway, yeah, that's what we learned about in in reading triangle today. It was about ancient all the the great things that were done in ancient ancient in ancient Lanston. <laughs> that's awesome. You know how to move. Soon you'll be able to keep up with me, though. I don't think you will. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're pretty. You're pretty fast, Brinley. What? What did you? What did you? Get? You said you got something for me. Yeah, that's right. Here you go. And from her, sure, she was wearing a hoodie. Why not? From her hoodie, she pulls uh, a stack of Sweet Valley High books. Oh, Sweet Sweet Valley High. Wow, the girls on the uh, uh, cover have really pretty hair. Is it called Sweet Valley High because they're very high up in the tower? No, these are from No. Whoa. This, are, this is a. Uh, <laughs> Multiversal <laughs> learning for you. Uh, can can I have this? Can we be having this? I thought. Well, it's like, not. Maybe don't tell dads. But I, I I know you really like stories, and I heard that this these are like pretty good stories. Okay, I'll, I won't tell dads. I'm gonna go read it right now in my room. Bye. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> and like scamper, scampering, scampering off. <laughs> oh, I love Daphne. <laughs> good shift, Brinley. I love you. Bye. Um, and of course, uh, as we know, Brinley did not pay for those books. No way. No. <laughs> um, she absolutely swiped them. And uh, Brinley's life of crime began uh, not too long ago. That's part of the dancing. That's the song you dance to. <laughs> um, so uh, earlier when Bryn was like, I'm going to say this was two or three years ago. So she was still working at Post Host. She just started, actually. Mm. And they were like, you know that we only employ drones, right? And she was like, you haven't met me yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so she'd been given a delivery that she is taking, and it was to some lower levels in Lansdon. And she is running, she is jumping, she is parkouring. That, that has always been part of her life, but she does not have her gravity gauntlet. So it is... Uh, definitely slower than it usually would be uh, than she can do now. And as she is running and jumping, she gets to a, a jump, one last jump, like over a pedway, and it's just a little too high, and it's just a little too far, and she takes a tumble. She like makes it, but she lands like really hard on her shoulder. The package goes skittering out of her hand and like catches on some, like a rail or something, and splits open. And she realizes as she looks at all of the stuff in the package is that it is all tech and it is all tech usually associated with portaling mm. which Lansden super frowns on and she kind of like scoops it up and uh, knocks on the door and like nurses her her scraped shoulder uh, the door opens and you see a uh, tall, slender gentleman. He's wearing a fedora and like kind of keeping it low over his eyes. And he's like, yeah, what can I do for you? <laughs> uh, I have a delivery here. Uh, but this is, is this yours? Did you ask for this? What did you do with my delivery? What are you trying to do here? And he's like scrambling to pull it from your hands. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I was... Uh, running through the tower and I and I jumped and I fell and it just didn't I'm pretty sure I can report this to your boss. Oh, um yeah, well I can report you for all this tech. You gonna? I don't know. Should I? I don't think you should. And you know what? 
Maybe I can give you a little something to make sure you don't. All right. What do you got? And he looks at you and kind of looks at the, the, the bruises you've accumulated. And his eyes sort of drift up to the headway that you would have jumped off of. And he, he kind of puts two and two together. And he reaches behind the door frame and pulls out a gauntlet. And he says... I have a feeling this is going to do a lot of favors for you. But are you going to keep your mouth shut as he holds it out to you? Yeah. Yeah, I'll keep my mouth shut, definitely. All right. Then we're even. But if you need any more favors, give Shimmer a ring. All right, all right, definitely. Thank you. And he retreats and slams the door. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, That was origin story. A flashback that shows a defining moment from your past, plus one trait. Uh, what trait are you getting? <laughs> I think that scene kind of uh, showed this. Uh, walking disaster. <laughs> you don't just flirt with disaster, you're dating it. You get plus one D6 on disaster rolls and can choose to take a disaster for a willing teammate. If you do, mark two style. Yo. Hmm. Let's go. In Web Corporation Mega Tower on floor five, we join Helix Pinnacle in the Pinnacle Project. He is being tended to by Ginevra, the scientist in charge of his progress as uh, one of the control groups of the Pinnacle Project. Helix is getting his regular diagnostics and his nutrition and hormone intake. And as standard diagnostics are being run, Ginevra is noticing some inconsistencies from Helix's time in Vestige. Uh, So we're going to join the two of you. You're in a uh, lab-type setting. I'm picturing chrome. Maybe you're even on, like, a chrome slab with a sheet of paper over it. (laughs) Yeah, everything is is polished stainless steel or slime tubes. Uh, Instead of your purple jumpsuit, you're wearing a purple hospital gown. There is a tube sticking out of the uh, of your back uh, uh, stuck into a port in your back that is you know giving you the uh, required nutrients and hormones you've got those uh, stickies with the wires attached to your arms and your chest and your temples and Ginevra is holding a digital clipboard and looking over it with a stern expression on her face Helix, I'm noticing your levels of adrenaline have been fluctuating lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they'll they'll do that. I've also noticed some particles in your lungs that are extra planar. Well, you know, the the that the the toxic gas is gonna it's gonna get you. Toxic fog. He, he knows it's a bad lie. He's just like toxic fog stuff. But knows full, full full well she doesn't believe it, but he's, yeah, playing coy. Even if I believed your terrible bullshit, <laughs> I would remind you that being exposed to the toxic fog is still outside of your prerogative as part of the Pinnacle Project, as is visiting other dimensions. Well, I, I just, I don't understand what the big deal is. I mean, whether it's going down to the low towers and being toxic fog adjacent 
Or yeah, maybe I am going to other dimensions. Isn't the whole point of this to to show that I'm I'm a peak physical specimen that I can adapted to survive not just in all corners of Operablen, but Helix, you need to understand that in science all the details need to be exact. We cannot have a variable We cannot have our control group in an uncontrolled condition. Do I make myself clear? Uh, well, well. Speaking of control groups, I, I, I think I see one of the other pinnacle subjects uh, in the the lab across from us, uh, squirming and getting up and and drinking a bunch of that awful kindred uh, carbonated beverage stuff. The, you know, the, the sugar. They're they're gonna screw up their sugar levels. You should go. You should go check on uh, sequence. She just kind of stares at you and sighs. I mean. Look, look, if you're going to give me crap for screwing up my, my potential, look, 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 she's chugging back. What is that? Panic energy drink? Ew. <laughs> that stuff will rot your guts. If you want a moment, you can always ask for it. I'll leave you to it. Ginevra sets down the clipboard and walks off. And I'm, I'll throw this little detail in there as well. Uh, you did see... One of the Pinnacle Project who has introduced themselves as Sequence before, an Operablen with um, a, a brown ponytail, and and she is across from you on one of the slabs, and, and it looked like she was getting up. And the little detail I'll throw in, she's got the wires, she's got the port, she also has an oxygen mask over her face. Hmm. And, and maybe you don't read into it any further than that because you were just trying to get Ginevra away from you. Ginevra wasn't buying it, but she's giving you the space anyway. But her clipboard is on the desk next to you. What do you do? Yeah, Helix can't, can't shake the fact that she, she referred to me as a variable. Um, he grabs the clipboard um, and starts, starts thumbing through it. Uh, obviously, it doesn't have... I mean, it has Helix colon and then... Uh, bunch of numbers. Yeah, the 100 character, uh, 100 digit thing that comprises my name. Yep, absolutely. Um, Otherwise, it looks like a pretty standard medical chart for the Pinnacle Project, but then you notice that there is a file near the bottom that is labeled control. And he he lifts it up, um, he he looks at this control file, um, and, uh, you know, if that that first file was uh, a picture of, you know, himself, like his, you know, full head to toe like almost like the Vitruvian man um, like <laughs> uh, standing there and then all of his you know his adrenaline levels his calcium all the all the, the stats this is the same document with the same readings but all of the readings are much more true adrenaline's where it's supposed to be no sign of interplanar dust in his lungs and at first he's like he just assumes that's like an old document uh, but then he looks and the date is the same. The date is today's date. And he's got one file in his hand, the, the one he thought, you know, Ginevra was writing on. And he's got this other one and he's just like, the, the hell is, I didn't do a reading. It's my first reading today. I, uh, and then I think maybe as Ginevra comes back into the room, he just like snags that file and like tucks it. Do we want to say that maybe your phone is off to the side and, uh, you do, uh, the terrible thing where you take a picture of a screen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, A literal screenshot. (laughs) And you set it down, and because you uh, have an excellent memory, you position it in just such a way that Ginevra uh, could not possibly suspect that you had been uh, rifling through it but moments ago. 
Tell me about this beat. Um, yeah, so that was uh, the identity beat of Identity Crisis. Same one Trev did earlier. Uh, you don't know who you are anymore, and it's messing with your head. Plus one doom. Uh, and yeah, uh, Helix just can't shake the fact that there's like second readings on him that he definitely wasn't there for, and it's very confusing. Uh, this also ties back to a piece of gear that I've had from early on, but I like, since it hasn't come up, today's the day I got this gear, um, which is uh, a vital screenshot or image file. There you go. And I mark a doom. Yeah, what's it called? I'm going to just call it uh, Control Group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ginevra, uh, I'm, this has been a delight as always. Breakfast of champions and all that. And taps the, <laughs> the tube coming out of the back of his neck. Um, <laughs> thank you for a delicious and nutritious meal. I'll, I'll mind the interplanar dust in my lungs for next time, uh, he says unconvincingly. <laughs> Good. And I see that your study of Null is coming along, seeing as you have quoted one of their famous authors. Yes, I'm I'm very uh, engaged with the, the great thinkers of Null, uh, specifically the stunts guys. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he uh, bids her adieu with a fist bump uh, and and takes his leave for the day uh, and returns, uh, not, not to his home, but to, actually, I guess probably adjacent to where these uh, periodic diagnostic tests happen uh, would also be the sort of makerspace uh, workshop area. Uh, that members of the Pinnacle Project uh, get to operate out of. Yeah, like I'm picturing Pinnacle Project like a big sort of campus that, you know, has this diagnostic space. It has a lab. It has a maker space. It has rec facilities and training facilities. And it is also on this floor, floor five, that all the members of the Pinnacle Project live on, albeit in their own apartments with foster families. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is sort of his his desk. He's got his own little mini research station with his uh, bonsai plant. There's other uh, perfectly symmetrical, attractive, physically fit people in purple jumpsuits tinkering away on their own little projects. Uh, and he whips out that bottle of slime that he uh, gathered uh, back in Vestiche uh, and begins to examine it. Uh, exactly how this is going to uh, this is going to be the trait beat of uh, research. So I'm going to clear two style. Uh, and I'm going to research this ooze, this slime. Um, describe this worm to me again. I want to see if I can sort of spin this into... To... Ooh, the cerulean worm? Yeah, describe the cerulean worm, and I'll see if I can somehow justify that as my, the trait I'm going to get for my smarts playbook out of this research beat. What I'll say about it is that it was covered in this, like, electric blue slime. I had described that when Maeve and Wolt were in the tunnel that the cerulean worm resided in, that it was very slippery. But also the worm didn't seem to move particularly quickly out in the open. It also emits a very dim light. Yeah, so I think he 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 realizes that the 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 frictional properties of this slime can be applied uh, in ways that contradict what we know about force and friction and momentum. And perhaps he even begins explaining this to some of the other people in the space. Uh, and they all get real in on on like the fact that it emits light suggests that. There is friction, uh, but because it makes it, things go faster, it actually is reducing friction. Does this have anything to do with nega friction? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Uh, and, and in talking about all of the different things that this strange slime could mean, not just for vestige biology, but for multiversal physics, uh, I am going to unlock the trait Technobabble. Twice per run, explain something <laughs> technical with jargon or a fun metaphor for one style and a d6 to a roll. Ooh. And since I've, uh, in my gear, 
can I just have um, frictionless slime lube? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, replace your uh, Jellican Divokin that you destroyed in popularia. It's a lateral (laughs) slime move. (laughs) Trev 4. You're not sure how much time has passed since you have looked over the files on this thumb drive that was given to you by Gabor. Um, I do want to emphasize, of course, there was no malware on it. It was just the revelation of this information has uh, locked you in a bit of a stasis on floor 221, just outside the hyperlift. But you are pulled out of this stasis. And the first thing that you register with your visual receptors is a man in a jumpsuit and you see his name tag that says Lufts with a gold star next to it and you recognize him as Stanch, the elevator technician. Good morning Stanch, it is good to see you again Uh, is there is 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 there any way I can help you? Trev finally found you here all curled up. I, I don't know if I can describe it as the fetal position because you're a robot. But... <laughs> the beta position. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were fully shut down. What, what, what happened? Did you, did you run out of power? What? Uh, Trevor's eyes uh, do that like hourglass thing and it's spinning upside down and then it, he comes back and I've had some information that is causing some Troubles for my processors. Information? What, what What sort of information? Yeah, 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 it, uh, it seems like I may not be that good of an empathy valet. Trev, hold, hold on a moment. Uh, let me help you up here. And with that, uh, Stanch sort of, he sets down his tools and he sort of takes you by both arms and try and helps lift you into a standing position. Trev, what, what sort of information could tell you Anything about what kind of empathy valet you are? It seems that my original programming was to uh, address employees and suppress problems that they brought up. As in, the problem being the employee themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I need to wipe my memory. Maybe I, maybe I need to be factory reset. Slow down, slow down there, Trev. You're... You're going to short yourself again. Just take three deep boots with me. (laughs) 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 So he powers down briefly. (laughs) Powers back down. (laughs) He's like in the safety mode, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Just says three quick versions of that, and he comes back. (laughs) Good morning. It is good to see you again, Stanch. It's good to see you as well, Trev. Am I... Am I a good empathy valet? Well, I... I know we've only, uh... Met a few times in passing here, but, uh... If you were to ask me, I'd say you're one of the best. But... Trev, what really matters, regardless of your initial programming, is... How you feel you're running yourself now. If you go back, if you look... At everything you've done in your... In your years of running... Do you feel that you're a good valet? 
I can only recall the last few days and weeks. I am uncertain of how good of a valet I have been. In some regards, it seems like I have not done a great job. At this point, uh, Stanch uh, takes off his horn rim glasses and he, he pulls sort of an old oily rag out of his pocket and he finds the cleanest corner that he can. He starts sort of <laughs> wiping down the lens. Trev, I'm sorry to hear that you your memory only goes back that far. I feel like there are a lot of things that a lot of things I've seen you do that prove beyond a doubt that you are a fantastic empathy valet. When I think of everything you did for Faye, there's no doubt in my mind. And uh, upon hearing the name Faye spoken, uh, if, if I can almost paint a picture in your mind, uh, Travis talked about having uh, his memory and his hard drive sort of partitioned into different drives and information stored separately. Within his mind, it almost feels as though the image of a hallway, uh, Stanch is like opening a door for him, and it leads through. And, and uh, Stanch is standing in front of an elevator, and the door is open. <laughs> he steps inside and invites Trev to join him on yes, the yes, lift. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, and and Trevor, like it's starting to open up for him, and uh, he's accessing new information that he hasn't realized in a long, long time. Trevor. You have access to memory of yourself in a park. And uh, Stanch is there. And you recall strong fondness for Stanch. You see children playing in this park. Uh, they have uh, little toy hoverboards that they are using to go off little half-pipes, grind along built-in rails, and you are with a child. And this child is uh, struggling to maintain their balance on this hoverboard, but you have in your hands two stabilizers, and you carefully attach them to either side of the board. And what are you saying to this child as you attach them? The, the child is looking a little bit despondent and they say, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I can do this. What do you say? Faye, you are very capable. I've seen you learn so many things and you've done amazing things. I know you can do many more amazing things. Here. I'll be right here with you. You do not have to worry about being hurt. And you finish attaching the stabilizers and you rise. And Faye cautiously places one foot on the hoverboard and very tentatively pushes off. And at first it's a little wobbly, but then the stabilizers kick in and they start moving. And you're moving in pace with them, and you see Faye's face light up, and they push off again, and this time they get away from you a little bit. They do uh, a modest lap. Uh, they, they don't really go into the, into the park yet, but they do a, a small lap, and they come back, and when they do, they're absolutely beaming, 
And Faye says, I did it, I did it, Trev 4, I did it. And, and Trev 4, you know, opens up his palms and his taser bolts do that sparkling thing that, uh, you know, he did back when he was uh, a Daibokan. Kind of cheery. And, uh, and he excitedly, like, puts him away and uh, goes up to Faye. Uh, and, and like all over Faye, just like sticker, 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 and uh, open opens up and like hugs Faye. And uh, I'll say that same sort of signal pings, where the option is free sticker or no sticker, and you choose free sticker, and that's the end of the video in your hard drive. And the other thing that that pings to you is you, Trev, have seen those hover stabilizers before since getting your ice chip. In fact, those hover stabilizers were in the same place that you found your ice chip. It is where you put the compliment card that Walt gave you on your very first run together. Well, not your first. The first as far as you know. It's in that memento pile. Uh, Trev kind of is like scanning, realizing this, and realizes that Stanch clearly has some strong connection to him. And Stanch, you are... You are my friend. (laughs) I I appreciate you saying so, Trev. But it is... As far as the tower is concerned, uh, we're just passers-by at this point. Where is Faye? Listen, Trev, I'm glad you're back up and running. I'm sorry if you've had a a, a rough day, but I, I've i got to get going. Do, do you think you'll be able to make it back to the shop here? Yes, I can. Seems like this is a difficult thing to talk about. I will let you be. But thank you for... Showing me this very lovely memory. And Trevor um, kind of nods and starts walking back towards his shop. As Stanch uh, picks up his tools, heads back into the lift and starts going up, uh, he can look out the side and watch Trev walking. And he sort of does that little, he mimics the little open palm taser bolt sort of hands waving thing that Trev had done back in the memory. Just down out the window. Tell me about this beat, Trev Four. Uh, that was uh, origin story, a flashback that uh, shows a defining moment from your past. And uh, based on how that went, I'm going to go with pep talk. Uh, once per run, refill three hype or clear a slam for a teammate. What do they need to hear the most right now? Perfect. Such a perfect trait for that flashback. Yeah, so for Walt, I think uh, most of the time spent after this run for him uh, is is on upgrading and training with Carcinokin. Because uh, now at this point, thanks to the uh, neural network upgrade he got with the uh, Nega Friction Coil uh, that we got in Vestige, uh, he, Walt is able to hang around with his partner uh, in primary form now. So instead of being Scampikin all the time, who, who cannot talk, uh, his, his Daibokin buddy is Carcinokin, the little crab guy who talks like this and, and, and is, does things. 
Uh, and one such thing that they are doing uh, is is hanging out at a place in Kindred uh, that I view as kind of like a cross between like an arcade or like a comic shop kind of thing. It, it has the vibes of a place people go to train and battle their Daibokin in like a friendly manner. Um, but it's also just very like local community driven kind of vibes on, on one of these uh, sort of mid-tier floors of the Kindred Tower. Is it the arcade that was the starting line of the Daibo Dash? Oh, that, yes. <laughs> and there's just a wing of it that is uh, specifically for Daibokin users? Absolutely. There's like a restaurant portion at the back of that arcade, uh, and it's got like uh, a little Daibokin logo with a chef hat, uh, but the Daibokin that they feature is, it's kind of in the shape of like a little Granny Smith apple, but it's got yellow and black stripes and little wings, and it's called Applebeekins. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was too many steps for a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> own it, own it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, over in this back area, I, we sort of see like a montage of Walt and Carcinokin battling it out against uh, other Daibokin trainers who have brought their Daibokin for just friendly uh, digital buddy duels and things like that. Uh, and in among this, I'm going to kind of treat this as training up Carcinokin so that I'm going to roll... Uh, some additional in the lab things here. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. So I spent two style for in the lab, and essentially the components I got from that are a lens and a gem, which I'm using to upgrade Carcinokin with Guardian Mode, Mark One Turbo to have your robot protect you, or a nearby teammate from a physical slam. Nice. And this is just, yeah, it's it's through some montage of just like all these uh, <laughs> very anime still image shots of like uh, Carcinokin's doing a big crab punch. On, on like a weasel Daibokin. <laughs> Excel hammer, foam jet, and he's like blowing bubbles at and he, uh, a duck or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one where he's got just using his two big claws and he's like holding up a little donkey and he's like doing the big Bane from Batman backbreaker move on him, but it's not actually gonna like break his back or anything because they're just Daibokin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it uh, uh, data uh, uh, reverts into a very tiny donkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it's uh, the montage sort of settles from that into uh, Walt and Carcinokin sitting at the bar on stools. Uh, Walt has, oh god, I, I don't know why my mind went, he's got an egg cream. Uh, that's the first drink my mind could think of. He's got a what? <laughs> an egg cream. <laughs> it's like a 50s diner drink yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a milkshake but it's got egg in it I don't, um, yes, 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 yeah yes. <laughs> uh, Walt's sitting there with his egg cream and uh, Scampy is I guess stools aren't really made for crabs so he's, he's kind of resting on top of it with his four legs dangling off and he's kind of lightly spinning back and forth side to side <laughs> Salutations, patrons! Is there anything else I can get for you today? <laughs> uh, I think I'm doing all right for now. Uh, what, have you, what about you, Carcinikin? Oh, no, thank you. I am perfectly fine with my digital egg cream. Thank you, Walton. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and the tiled floor of the diner rumbles. <laughs> <laughs> And you can clearly see something moving through the tiles, and then pop! Oh, goodness. 
That was really difficult. Hello? A little mole. Uh, or like a like a, a large-ish mole, I suppose. Big for a mole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looks up at you, Walt. Hey, did you... You fought off that cobra kid, right? Oh, b- back at Daibokan? Wait. A, a Varpakin? Are, are you all the Fraxinus' Daibokin partner? That's me. <laughs> oh, but Walton, if Varpakin is here, then surely that must mean that also... All the Fraxinus is here, too! <laughs> <laughs> uh, both Walt and Carcinican spill their egg creams. <laughs> <laughs> Dreams. Uh, and, and you realize now the whole space, everyone in the space is like trying so hard to be cool, but like everyone is staring at you and Olive. Uh, 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 Olive, what, what what are you doing here in in Apple Beacons? <laughs> oh, sometimes I like to come back to my roots. You know, you gotta stay humble. <laughs> oh, totally. Well, uh, incredible that you're here. I I I, I don't know if you're here for like a a, a battle, or you're just visiting, or, um, a, I, I'm a huge fan, uh, sorry, I'm, my name is, uh, uh, my name is Walton Wick, uh, and this is Carcinikin. Oh, nice to meet you. Hi, Carcinikin. You look really cheerful. Oh, goodness, yes, indeed, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, just hanging out in a primary form, huh? That's pretty good. Yeah, I recently upgraded my typo vice, and now we can... Kick it primary style all the time. That's the way to do it, right, Varpakin? That's very correct. Thank you, Olive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Varpakin mentioned that you were dealing with a Cobrakin back in Dibocon, right? Oh yeah. Uh my my crew and I, we sort of got wrapped up in in that uh Dibokin rampage and we managed to calm him down. That's pretty special. Power of friendship can really get you anywhere. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. You know, I Grown really close with, with my crewmates and, and well with Carcinikin here, and I feel like we could take on anything, you know? Anything? <laughs> oh, anything! Olive leans in and kind of just like cups her hand around her mouth. There's a pretty prestigious tournament going on pretty soon, you know? R- really? It's a secret underground tournament. No one's supposed to know about it. Oh. Well. <sighs> Goodness, I, are, are you competing? I, I'd love to come watch. That, that'd be incredible to see you <laughs> take on some sort of secret, secret tournament. You, you, you'd sweep the bracket, I'm sure. Well, yeah, but I have to make sure that there's proper challenges, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't want to have a, a boring match or anything. Like, you'd, you'd be going up against all kinds of trainers with their, with their primary forms and polished forms. And, mm-hmm. and she just kind of stares at you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, bro. Primary forms. Wait, are you... Are you trying to tell me where this tournament is? I know why the caged Dibakin sings. And then she winks at you. <laughs> what? <laughs> is that a password or or a location? Or? Just enter it into your Diba vice. Uh, oh, okay. Um, th- th- thanks for the tip, uh... Do, do you want me to do it right now while you're here, or...? I'm gonna go get some food. It was really nice to meet you, Walton Wick. A- absolutely. Uh, I- incredible to meet you, too. Uh, a- and you, Varpigan. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. 
All of Kawi'i now plays. Anything for you, buddy. Salutations, patron. What can I get for you today? <laughs> uh, tell me about that beat, Walt. Um, uh, so that uh, uh, <laughs> complex beat uh, was caught in a plot. You overhear something. You get mistaken for someone. Get ushered into the wrong line, etc. Uh, it's the first of the chill beats, and we'll we'll see where this the this uh, this uh, this all goes. So I think we find uh, Maeve in Trinity Municipark. And she, first things first, she goes to check the hiding place where they left the one remaining Nega Friction coil that uh, that wasn't used in all of our separate devices um, to make sure that it is still there and hasn't been scooped up by anybody. And then upon seeing it safely in its place there, she replaces the panel that, that protects it from, from sight um, and looks around because she's uh, waiting for somebody. And it's it's not long before that person arrives uh at least i hope um uh, <laughs> she sees one of the elevator doors open and uh or actually no what is it from kindred it's through a mall it's through a mall zenith 98 hub yeah she looks over to the door of zenith 98 hub and who should she see striding out but trev four hey trev uh th- thanks for uh thanks for showing up i guess absolutely of course, I would like to meet up with my fellow Gold Star Disaster teammate. I mean, I know you don't have a lot of freedom to, like, you know, leave the bot shop and stuff. So I, I, I appreciate you finding a way or making the time. But uh, Lord knows I don't need the trouble of, of being caught in kindred right now. But listen, I, I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't know how to get into this, but you and I have had a little bit of friction lately. I guess, and she kind of looks back at where the nega friction coil is stored and is like <laughs> looking around the room for a metaphor. I, I didn't agree with how things went in Daibokan, and I said some things I shouldn't have, and I know I've already apologized, but after everything that happened in Vestige, I'm starting to realize that what Helix said was right. We're we're a crew now, whether we like it or not, and it's 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 all of us together we we all have to be all in and what i'm what i'm starting to realize is you're and mave doesn't know how meta this is but i do you're the heart of this team trev you're (laughs) you're what's holding us together here and i i can't figure out why but whether i like it or not you're you're important you you're important to gold star disaster and and that means you're important to me so uh she reaches into her pocket we haven't really established how money works um i'm assuming it's mostly digital yeah yeah so maybe it's her phone maybe she pulls out her phone and like waves it near trev in kind of a uh credit card tap sort of a scenario (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and and it makes a little little bing noise and uh she says to trev there that's all right, listen, can I be honest with you? Ever since I got to this plane, I've been squirreling away what little funds I can. I, you know, being an arborist doesn't doesn't exactly pay. We're not all about material possessions, but, you know, picking up picking up an odd job here or there, sneaking some from the from the temple coffers and just just, you know, trying not to take more than will be missed. But I've always kind of had it in my head that I might 
need a little bit of scratch set aside in case I need to get out, in case things get bad and I need to, you know, start over somewhere else. But, well, that's that's all of it. That's everything I've managed to, to rack up. It's I know it's not a lot of credits, but like I said, it's it's been tough and I'm putting it all on the tab. I want the stickers back. <laughs> I want to prepay for as many stickers as that'll buy and and I don't want you to think twice about handing them out. You're as anytime you're with Gold Star Disaster, <laughs> stickers are on me, all right? That is a very kind contribution. This is the kind of teamwork that I was hoping to foster. And I hope you realize that you as my co-workers and teammates that I will Put you first. I know that, Trev. That's that's honestly never been in doubt. I, I sometimes I just couldn't see that that's what you were doing. But looking back, that's that's always what you've been doing. And, and what uh, you know, Maveline does not realize is that stilted delivery was actually uh, there's some some rewriting of some of the prime directives <laughs> <laughs> in Trev Four's uh, brain. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love that. Maeve, tell me about this beat. This was Sharpened. I spent four style. A teammate inspires you or shows you something about yourself, plus one trait. And uh, fittingly, because it was a scene with Trev Four, the trait I'm going to take is personal growth, uh, which is a trait from another personality, another playbook. <laughs> uh, how are you changing? Who are you learning from? I'm learning from Trev <laughs> is who I'm learning from. Yes. So you're taking a heart trait. I'm taking a heart trait. And fittingly enough, the thing I'm going to unlock is is uh, the same mod Trev unlocked just earlier in the same downtime of, uh, of pep talk. Uh, <laughs> once per run, refill three hype or clear a slam for a teammate. What do they need to hear the most right now? I think we both told each other what we needed to hear the most just then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and while we're here, just because I got one style left to spend, I'm going to call that my being good scene. Um, Maeve is not being good to put in the time with her parents or with her temple or or anything like that. She's she's being good with the other members of her team and fostering a sense of loyalty and camaraderie. Uh, and that's just going to knock out my remaining style and trouble to put me back at zero. And with that, we go to our final scene of the episode. We see a scene with Gabor. Once again, he is sitting in an office, but in this one, he looks different. His hair is a little bit longer and a little bit darker, and he looks a little bit younger. This scene is taking place sometime in the past. He is once again looking at something on his tablet. So you're telling me that this high-profile engineering company is making all of their employees invest in this proprietary software with optimized workflow, easy file sharing, and no two-factor authentication whatsoever? He looks up to the figure standing across from him, who is none other than Trev Four. That is correct. They are forcing their employees to invest. This is just another way that the Kindred Corporation bleeds its people dry. They don't care about the people. They only care about profit and being above everybody else. It is a shame. 
It does not have to be this way. You're right. It doesn't. And it won't. He taps on the screen, downloads some files, and deletes the files from the server. He grins. Just like that, their project is no longer approved. This is going to delay them by months. Well done, Trevfor. Thank you. It has been my honor to be able to help my friends and kindred. You do good work for your friends, Trevfor. Our relationship is proving to be very beneficial indeed. Speaking of, how is that ice chip working for you? It is working wonderfully. I'm happy to hear that. It is good to hear that you're free from the shackles that Kindred places on you, such as those memory wipes. It was truly a shame. Indeed. But now, I get to remember people's faces and names and so many good memories. As it should be, Trevfor. Gabor rises and makes his way across the desk. He walks towards the door of the office, but before he leaves, he stops. He turns back and looks at Trevfor and he says, We're rising up. And we're taking Kindred Corporation down.